the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. We are back. The Lou Sports Talk podcast is back in beautiful fashion, and we have plenty of good stuff to be discussing with our lovely listeners here on this lovely, what is today, Monday afternoon? Jeez, time is just flying by. <laughs> I'm really on top of it here, clearly. Ethan Hannaford, Brandon, Big Poppy Gallegos, and yo, yo. Dylan Hample joining us. Is, is this, Dylan, is this your first St. Louis episode regional sports episode i was a guest appearance on two full-time episodes before this so <laughs> this is my a guest appearance go. fourth total episode but third big episode wow Look a at seasoned him. veteran now growing up with the two yeah, he is. as well he is he's growing up right in front of our eyes brandon what are we going to be talking about today yeah so the last time we had a regional episode we had talked uh it was before the cardinal season had actually started um and so we're going to be kind of recapping the historically bad month <laughs> of April for the St. Louis Cardinals. A stat from 1903 will come up on this episode. Uh, we're also going to be revisiting the biggest keys of the 2023 season. Uh, me, Ethan, and TJ sat down um, with you guys and gave us our big um, keys for the Cardinals season. Um, and just kind of recap, how, how has that gone and where are they at now as we sit here halfway through the month of May, a quarter into the regular season? We're also going to be discussing... Um, the Wilson Contreras topic, the NL Central, uh, what's going on with Nolan Arenado, and then finishing off with some St. Louis City talk. I will say this. Thank God. Thank God for winning six out of seven. Thank you. Thank you no, so much. No, we're genuinely appreciative. Because <laughs> I don't know what I would be doing wow. right now otherwise. This team in their first 38 games of the season, a record of 13 and 25, thankfully, They've won some ball games. They've you know played a couple of games since. Just sweeping the Red Sox was huge. Um, but that that start, that first month and a few games, month and change, tied for the third, no, second worst start of all time in Cardinals history. 1903, there it is, Brandon. Yeah. And 1907, the Cardinals started off 10-28. and 28. Were they even called the Cardinals back then? I don't know. They're probably like, were they, what? Did Cardinals exist back then? Perfecto. We had a year being the perfectos. The birds had, real. Yeah, I think the government ran the Cardinals back then. <laughs> and then in 1925, 13 and 25 starts. So the Cardinals matching their worst start in 98 years. Yikes. Um, and honestly, guys, every single aspect of it was pretty messy. I think it's pretty clear. Like we can take a look at, we can take a look at some of the biggest areas of struggle. And I think the biggest one probably that catches people's eyes is the starting pitching Dylan yeah. oh 100 percent it uh going back to 1903 Jamie Moyer's rookie year <laughs> it, it has been a long time since we have seen a team this bad and team ERA sitting at a whopping 4.54 at the moment and that is it is not good and you know we heard all we heard was six starters six starters going into this season, we didn't make any big splashes in the offseason other than re-signing Michaelis. And, in I the mean, pitching, you mean? In the pitching, okay, yes, yeah. that's what I meant, correct. Um, and it's good to have Wayno back from a leadership perspective, but I don't know, 
Mats and Woodford have not exactly been ideal. I've even considered, like, why not bring up Liberatore? He's had some decent numbers at AAA. Um, <clears throat> he's 4-1 and one through eight starts with a 3-1-3 ERA, 56 strikeouts and a 1-1-7 whip through 46 innings pitch. So, I mean, if the pitching continues to struggle, I don't see why not call him up, especially uh, the caliber of prospect that he is for us. Yeah, you just wonder, too, you're, you're not one – pitcher away from turning this rotation around either True. i mean looking at it the, the leaders in in our rotation are, are old monty with a 4.11 era yeah. the pitch to contact rotation uh, michaelis was, with 41 strikeouts which that's that's more that where that comes in as well is where you, we've kind of seen these cardinals teams over the last few years we're not we don't have those swing and miss guys and so pitch to contact we've been comfortable with which is uh, the team they've built right this sure is, with, behind, with this defense which is you know should be one of the best in the league, and you know, obviously last sure. year winning the team Gold Glove award. But I mean, this year they have they have definitely not played up to expectations. The defense either, but that's that's the hope, and that's how they built this team to be. And I I think the the where you start to become concerned is to is this rotation's not eating innings, um, and so you wonder come late, you know, June, early July, dog days of the summer, um, what our bullpen's going to look like, and you kind of already seen some of the effects of wear and tear. Early in the year, overuse, things of that nature. Packy Naughton, already down, number one in our hearts. Hey, yep. Packy Naughton has resumed uh, bullpen throwing, so hopefully he's back soon. But anyway, and, and what I would say on top of that to almost piggyback you guys is it's not even necessarily the ERA in whole that I'm concerned with. It's the starting pitching ERA that I'm concerned with. When you, when you look through the starting pitchers, you got – Montgomery, like you said, at best a four point one one ERA. And to be fair, that was that was in the mid threes before his last start, which was really bad at Chicago. Sure, Michaelis has been on the improve, um, but he's just now getting south of a five ERA, four point nine one as we speak. Matz is at five six two. Flaherty's at six one eight, and uh, Wainwright, you know, only two starts, but in the sevens. So that's the main concern for me. You look at if you look at the relief pitching for the most part. It's significantly better. Yeah. Um, you got Gallegos and Helsley who have been very good this season. Chris Stratton has been great. I think Cabrera's holding his own. Um, Verhagen's been okay. Thompson has been hasn't you know started off the year up with the club. Now he's not. Um, Hicks has looked significantly better in his last what? Sure. Couple eight, of appearances. Eight, eight to ten appearances, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So the it's more so for me. The starting pitching that is a concern than anything, you, and that's what you guys Do you not think said. it's going to catch up though to the bullpen? I think there's the potential for it eventually if things don't change. However, I do think that my I think the big thing, and and people in St. Louis, and I think this is just because we're so spoiled with such good sure. sports here in the city, is people tend to panic quickly, and the Cardinals gave them reason to panic. However, going into the season, we, we kind of knew what we were going to get from uh, from Miles Michaelis, okay? Miles Michaelis is not going to be a guy with a 5 ERA, okay? He's going to figure it out. He's showed that he is starting to figure it out. So I'm not concerned about Michaelis or Montgomery. Um, I think there are concerns to be made about Wainwright. The velocity's not great. He's looking phenomenal in his first three innings. Yeah. His last two starts, he's allowed two hits combined in uh, the first three innings. However, in the it's the next time around, uh, it's the next time around the order where he's having significant struggles. And part of that probably is just adjusting to the lack of velocity, if I'm being honest. So yeah. um, there's definitely some concerns there. I think, Dylan, you made a great point. Uh, Matthew Libertor was the Cardinals minor league pitcher of the month. 
in April. But not only that, he was the minor league pitcher of the month in in the minors. So, I mean, he's sitting there in AAA looking like he's ready to go. And we saw even towards the end of spring training, he looked really good. Now, you know, you could say what you want about string, spring training because sure. the Cardinals were the best team in the Grapefruit League in spring yeah. training. Um, but I think you – here's my thought on Mats. With how much the struggles have been significantly in the last uh, – really in the past month and a half, you're getting to the point where you got a guy like, like Libertor sitting down there ready to go. Yeah. You can't afford to put another lefty in the in the rotation, in my opinion. Um, so maybe there's maybe he ends up on the IL or something. I'm not really sure. But at some point, you're going to have to give Matthew Libertor an opp- opportunity. Yeah. and uh, From a front, front office perspective, you can't – I mean, you look at this and it, it's there's not really one piece – at least when you're looking at the ro- rotation, even the guys that you thought, okay, so you have Matt's slumping, you bring in a Woodford. Woodford's been historically, he's bottom, he has, let's see, bottom four in the league in four different pitching stats. Sure. In the league. Well, and so and even a guy, even a sixth guy, the sixth guy that you were talking about at the beginning of this whole conversation is struggling. Sure. And so, yeah, I think it, it, it is time where you either go outside the organization, which hasn't been the Cardinals' uh-huh. M.O., <laughs> but it also, I, I, I think I think you're right. I think it is time to bring him up for the minor, minor leagues because at this point, you're running out of options because the guys that you thought that you could put in and give guys like Mats some some maybe you throw them on the you throw them on the IL for you know a couple weeks to give them a few starts off. You haven't been able to do that because you can't trust the guys that you're putting on the on the bump to start sure. in their place. And and and. When we we discussed revisiting those biggest keys of for the 2023 season, pitching was obviously the biggest one. Sure, being a little bit unpredictable, and 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 to be quite frank, uh, as you mentioned, Dylan, there were concerns about the pitching going into the season, and uh, they've honestly uh, they've shown so that that's that's clearly the biggest issue. Now you could make a you could now you throw in the whole thing with Wilson Contreras and Andrew Kisner. <sighs> And that becomes a whole mess of a situation, right? And and how do you approach fixing that problem? You know, I think people forget that in this rotation last year, you had arguably the best defensive catcher of all time dealing with this rotation. For and now I know he was injured for a good part of, part of the season, um, but you know you could argue that there's a little bit of a difference in you know Contreras handling this rotation and and Molina handling this rotation. And obviously, there's been some things that the front office has disagreed with, with how exactly, uh, you know, Contreras goes about his things. And they said it wasn't long ago that he was going to not be the catcher for the foreseeable future. And now here we are, what, two weeks later? Not even. Not Not even even two weeks later. And and Wilson Contreras is starting um, against the Brewers in in this upcoming series. So it's, it's really hard to get an idea of where they feel they are with Contreras. Obviously, he's been hitting well, so that makes for an issue is that you can't just take him out of the lineup. Yeah. And plus, you just guaranteed him $90 million, basically. So uh, it's it's really interesting how exactly they go about this. If you wanted Contreras to be the quarterback of your rotation, I'm going to I'm gonna use a TJ term because that's how he would say it. Shout out, <laughs> TJ boy. If you wanted him, to, if you wanted the, the rotation to grow trust in a catcher in, in Contreras, that was not the way to do it. That was not the way to do it. I... 
I to me, I, to me, I, I I'm almost sitting there from a starting pitcher's perspective. Now you're putting him back in after you, Kisner, who, gosh, I hate to say this, you said it yourself, hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been awful in his last seven games. Uh, I think the batting average is at 270. So he's figuring it out at the plate, but you don't need him to be that guy at the plate. But here's the here's the biggest thing, and this is where I thought you were going to go with this is, and, and I'm not sure how many games Kisner has been the you know the starter for yeah. consistently. The Cardinals have won six out of seven, and a huge part of that has been that the pitching looks good. So if Contreras comes back in, does the rotation start struggling again? It's it's a question to be asked. Yeah, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because <laughs> it is so frustrating to me that this happened. Like, I don't understand bringing Contreras in and then moving him to DH. It's not like his stat. Like, I don't think he should be to blame for the brunt of the failures of the pitching staff. And the pit, the catching metrics have not been that awful to offset making Kisner more worth playing there. Like you said, it'll be interesting to see how it changes over the next week with Contreras returning behind the plate if – the Cardinals start doing poorly again, and pitching starts to de- decline again. Then you can have an interesting. Co- well, let's, you know, let's say it, let's say it does. What are you doing? Are you leave, are you putting Contreras back at the, at the DH spot? It would take a significant like drop off to where we were. I don't know. Maybe if we go two and five on this homestand, then maybe you have a conversation about it. But I like looking at stats. Contreras, his caught stealing percentage is twenty nine percent. League average is thirty. He was fourth last in the season, excuse me, fourth in the league last season at caught stealing percentage at 31.4%, and his frame rate is in the 35th percentile compared to Kisner's frame rate in the 29th percentile. And I just don't think it's that massive of a drop-off catching-wise. And plus, I love the leadership that Contreras brings to the table, both hitting and fielding, where he fires the team up and is a a great leader. So nothing against Kisner, but I don't don't see it. I I have everything against Kisner. I wish she was not playing. I wish she was not starting. I was right trying now. to be kind. No, I absolutely Keep not. Herrera. We're gonna forgive him after the abysmal season he had last year. Good, good for him. Career. You had a week doing your job. Shades I just, I can't do this right now. I can't sit here and crown Andrew Kisner. You did your job for a week. Now put Contreras back in. We're paying you eighty-seven and a half million dollars to do your job. No, I, I amen. I, I think that both of those are well said. And and and. I wasn't. Well I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to. As Dylan gives himself a handshake, um, <laughs> I wasn't trying to say that I think that Kisner, you know, should be the everyday starting catcher. I. I don't know if there's the whole situation has been messy, and I think that there's a lot of different ways you could look at it, and and I want to try and give the benefit of the doubt to why this was done, and at the end of the day, like. What matters is winning ball games, and the Cardinals have won six out of seven. And now you could still say, yeah, and they're still nine under five hundred, like as we speak. But you know, if, if if things go, and it will be a question to be asked if the Cardinals struggle on this homestand, and it's a pitching problem, not a hitting problem, a pitching problem. What do you do? Do you go back? Imagine the amount of chaos that would make in the media if they went back to Kisner and said <laughs> consistently, Wild. oh my goodness, it would make Wild. a mess. But you hope that from this point on, okay, that some things were learned, right? That was the point of doing this was that Kisner would be, or Kisner, Contreras would be able to learn some things. Hopefully in this short time period of not being the starting catcher, he was able to learn some things and there's some corrections made and things would be able to be figured out. So, um, the reason that we brought that up, it wasn't Contreras wasn't necessarily a 
key, I guess, that we discussed in the offseason. But it, I feel like you yeah. could match it in so yeah. well with the pitching because yeah, yeah. it's you know it's the it's the battery. battery it's so sure. important. So I think that it was fair to bring that up. In that, there's a couple of other areas that honestly, if we're be, if we're being 100 percent honest, the time that they did this, Contreras going to DH was perfect because Tyler O'Neill is on the I.L. Wah, wah. Which Welcome is to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh. <laughs> you hate you hate obviously seeing a guy get injured, but what it did is it made for much less of a logjam. Donovan was able to still get consistent time and mix in that time with Burleson and left. And what it did is it made for Gorman to get consistent time at second base. You know, you guys could correct me. Maybe baseball's different in this way, but you see this sometimes in sports. A guy gets injured. Some players step up, get some more playing time. There's... It kind of untangles the web a little bit to allow some guys to step in and play. And they get, that's they, it. That's it. See you. And you don't see him again. I don't know. I, I I think this homestand is is bigger than just our pitching problem. I think if you if you see the hitting continue to continue to grow like they have been in the last six, seven games, I I, I also wonder where we're at with Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. Nolan Gorman for MVP, am I right? Nolan Gorman's been <laughs> incredible. He's been ripping the ball. Holy smokes. Nine home runs, 28 runs driven in, a 270 batting average, a 366 on-base percentage, maybe the part that I'm the most excited Crazy. about. Because you know you're going to get the home runs with him. But the, okay, pro- the area Bean. that you – what you say? <laughs> he can get on base. <laughs> <laughs> but the biggest area of problem that you had with him, right, was his strikeout percentage. And he's still striking out. 20 just under 25 percent of the time but what is that compared to last year and what an improvement that has yeah. been so finding ways for him to get on bases has, has been really huge and the 931 ops is what second on the team behind guess who paulie de young oh. <laughs> <laughs> breathe dylan breathe you know what i love about him he's also he's he leads the team right now in first pitch swing percentage he's aggressive. he's aggressive at the plate that's that's when you can tell a guy is is confident at the plate is when he's swinging at the first pitch. He leads the team in it right now. Talking Gorman, forty three point one percent. Anyway, Gorman. anyway, um, back back to the outfield here quickly. Yeah, no, I would say, I don't know. Maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't want to give up on Tyler O'Neill just yet. But I do think that the front office may be in a different spot, and there's a real a scenario where maybe I don't think so. No? I don't think they're ready to give up on him yet. Okay. And here's here's the reason it's why. Encouraging. Here's the reason why. Randy Rosarena. <laughs> Come on. No, that's the reason. That's the reason. Too soon. Randy Rosarena is one of the best outfielders in baseball now. You just, not just, a couple of years ago, you gave away Zach Gallen and Sandy Alcantara for Marcelo Zuna. How you have played your outfield situations has, in, and now, obviously, you can't just talk about those and not mention that they absolutely swiped Arnado and Goldschmidt, right? right? So yeah. this isn't to say that Bag the front offices have been bad because they've made some very good moves as well. But how they've handled the outfield at times, there's been mistakes made, and they've been, they've acknowledged sure. that. So I think that they are very cautious with how they handle this whole outfield situation because, if anything, we've learned that there is a lot of guys in the outfield that they want to give a shot to. That's why Jordan Walker is not up with the team right now because they know what they're going to get from Walker, I think, and now it's giving these other guys a shot. Okay, so what, what do, is the time then, Ethan? What do you mean? Like, I, 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 I'm I, just looking at it from a hockey perspective. I mean, at this point, we, um, 
In hockey, O'Neill would be on three teams by now. No, <laughs> but, but he I, wouldn't, though. I, I, he I, wouldn't, though. You know why? Because there's this thing called a trade deadline, and nobody's going to be willing to give up anything significant for Tyler O'Neill at this point in the season because there's still time to be had. I, I guess my question, is, my question is, and I think you would agree with this, we're, we're on year three now figuring out what our outfield is. At what point? I think it's more than that. <laughs> so what are we doing here? So here's like, the thing. I'm, here's, I'm just asking the timeline. Sure, sure. What's your here, timeline? Here's the thing with O'Neill. If O'Neill doesn't have a monster 2021 season where coming out of it, people were saying he was one of the best left fielders in the game, which you back could make a point gloves. that he was. Back-to-back gold MVP gloves. He had votes. 34 home runs, an average in the, what, 270s? 270s? 280s. Exactly. So that season gives you hope, right? Last sure. year, it's it's really hard to get an idea on last year because he was injured for so much of the season. Sure. So it's hard when you know when a guy is injured to build consistency at the plate. You know, takes consistent at bats. Um, and my so so this year is really significant for Tyler O'Neill because you've ha- you've seen the good, you've definitely seen the bad, and at this point, it's it's really a, okay. What are you going to be? So I think that that's what this season is. But because we have seen the good relatively recently sure. i think that they still want to see if you know he can figure it out we know he has the capability to yeah. hit we know he's a phenomenal left fielder um defensively so i think it's too soon to call it on o'neill maybe this is just too large of a take and maybe this is a different discussion for a different podcast but it's hard to compete for a championship when you got so many guys on a tryout sure mm. sure it's hard to compete for a championship. You, like, you see the teams that are competing nine in, nine out. Their lineups are the same. Stick with your guys yep. and roll with them. I, I, I don't know. I just I, It's just hard to it's hard to want to compete for a championship, but also well, you're... I will say this. There's been a lot of negatives in the outfield about production. I will sure. say this. Dylan Carlson is turning things around. Yeah. I'm really liking what I'm seeing yeah. from him, and I think that he has taken some strides to say, hey, I want this center field position. I would agree. My and, foot so, fell off yesterday. <laughs> he, he did... <laughs> He did have the ankle sprain yesterday, so hopefully, <laughs> but he's he's it, he's listed as day to day, so hopefully it's not anything too significant. Sure. I have liked what I've seen from him so far. I've also really liked what I've been seeing from Lars Newbar. I think Newbar's looked Agreed. really good. Yeah, he looks so, like an everyday so player. So here's the yes, good sir. thing: there's the potential for two spots to be filled, right? Yeah, in the outfield. If if Carlson can continue to figure it out, which uh, taking a look, Dylan Carlson so far this season, the average isn't necessarily there. Um, Slugging percentage is slowly creeping up. He's still only at a 628 OPS, but I think that slowly as things have gone along, when you look at the more recent stuff, because sure. he had, an, just like so many other players on the team, Dylan Carlson had an abysmal start to the season. Right. Um, but Carlson, and then on top of Carlson, um, Newt Bar, so potentially two of your spots being figured out. Okay, now you have the spot in left field. You got Burleson, you got Yepes, you got Walker, Walker. And you got O'Neal. Yeah. That's a lot. Donovan. And Donovan. Which but yeah. the hope I think is that if you're able to get if you're able to get Contreras back to catcher, Gorman's your DH, Donovan goes to second. Right? Is that yeah. what we're hoping for? I would agree. So there's still a lot of there's a lot of room in the outfield, but here's the thing is eventually, hopefully by July, this team figures it out a little bit and they have an idea of who they have in the outfield. Then you can start a figure you can figure out who you want to ship away. Yeah, I mean, it's a good problem to have, having such a wealth of outfield talent. And like you said, going back to Carlson, like they, he was one of the guys that we wouldn't 
give up for Juan Soto. Like, they want to let him develop. He's still super young, and he was our top prospect when he came up. So they, like you touched on earlier, they want to see what they have and not rush a guy away when you were talking about O'Neal. Um, but <clears throat> I would agree with what you said, Brandon, also that it can make a difference mentally. Like, I remember in high school, if I was competing for a spot, I would be more on edge and putting more pressure on myself to perform, whereas if I was, like, solidified in my starting role and knew, okay, I'm going to be here, sure. then I could be more free and relaxed to play. It's a lot different high school baseball to professional baseball. but How so? No, <laughs> <laughs> about 15-mile-an-hour <laughs> difference in fastball average velocity. But, uh, about no. 40,000 more fans in the seats <laughs> yeah, except so for I, Tampa. Yeah, but uh, it, if you're Tampa – um, not, not if you're Oakland, but yeah, but anyway, yeah, I think you got to have a solidified starting, starting role. Like you said, have your guys and stick with them to where, you know, Ollie said he loves competition, but I don't know if that's so great for everybody. If, if you know, like, oh man, I got to play well, or I might not be playing tomorrow and you, I don't know. Well, especially at Something Tyler like Allen O'Neill's age, uh, being 28 years old, like 27, excuse me, almost 28. Like there has to be uh cue the middle name there. Allen. Yeah. Why? You got to. That's 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 from a man to a man. Colloquial, colloquially, but never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> I can't be, pronounce colloquially. Yeah, we're staying, colloquially we're, known you, you, as that's toenail, all, folks. Yeah. So Tyler Allen O'Neill, he's twenty-seven. What even is your middle name? The leash has to be. I have two. two. I have two, two middle names. What is it? What? I don't know him. For the I just people. know he has two. For the, the people. <laughs> Marnus knows. For the people. James Francis. <laughs> Brandon James Francis, Gallegos College Director. Yeah, buddy. So. I also think you. I, I think you guys are right too. Dylan Carlson's leash at 24 years old is totally different than a 27 year old uh, guy who made his uh, major league appearance five years ago, six years ago. Is that O'Neill? Yep. Okay, just had to make sure. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm. I'm just. I. I think you guys are right on that. Where it's you know you're giving O'Neill this season and contract wise, where's O'Neill looking? He's got one year left on his deal right now. He just hit arbitration last year. Yeah, so he would I, have one year. One yeah, year at. One year. One year at four point nine five. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I both so this is a prove-it season for him already, as it is just from a contract standpoint. Indeed. My uh, my bold prediction, I hope this doesn't happen, but my bold prediction is that by the deadline, we'll see him as a Los Angeles Dodger and Dustin May on the on the mound for the Cardinals. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you my think we goodness. Can get, dude, Dustin if, May. If O'Neal comes back and plays well, I think his value goes up. And they as trade, trade him? As a trade That piece. doesn't Dustin seem May? like. It's a phantom IL spot right now. I don't it, think he's really hurt at the it, moment. It doesn't seem like a Cardinals M.O. It e. also doesn't That's why I said seem it was like prediction. something that the Dodgers will do. I like to make hot takes. That's all I say. You what? I like to make hot takes. What can I say? That That's toasty one. Um, And he is a um, unrestricted free agent in 25. So next 25. year will be his third year of arbitration. So, okay, guys. So we've talked about outfield. We've talked about pitching. The last one, oh, that was our... Um, keys at the start of the season. Paul DeYoung. This, oh. this, <laughs> this was my key was middle infield. And middle infield has kind of been an interesting spot. Um, I feel like overall you have to be relatively satisfied with what you've gotten from the middle infield. Sure. Um, I mean, we talked about Nolan Gorman and praised him for a couple minutes, um, deservingly. Tommy Two Bags, eh, it's Future been okay. It, here's, the prob- here's my problem with Tommy Two Bags at, at shortstop. He's a second baseman. That's 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 the biggest well, thing. <laughs> well, well, that took a turn. <laughs> he's, so he's not a bad defenseman by any means, but he's a much better second baseman than he is shortstop, in my opinion. Uh, Agree. The batting average is a little bit low at two thirty eight. 
The OPS is slightly above average, though, so, you know, you'll take that. He's been hitting significantly better from the right side than he has from the left. The problem is he's seeing a lot more righties than he has lefties. However, he has a couple of times now taken um, at-bats from the right side against righties. So I'm not sure if that's something he's looking to start transitioning to or something, but we've seen that a couple of times. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Brendan Donovan has been decent league average. 700 OPS, uh, but he's, you know, he can, he can play some hill of baseball baseball. and then, uh, (laughs) and then, and then Paul DeYoung has been a pleasant surprise. I think that the expectation going in from at least fans was, you know, there wasn't going to be a lot from this guy that he could bring. Sure. The dudes brought it and he's, and, and, and it's, you could argue small sample size, but it's up to 16 games now. So fun fact, he's been playing better at home. They've been the card. What has he now? Yeah, he has. He has better splits with the Cardinals at home. 309 batting average and 949 OPS. Uh, three home runs, nine runs driven in. So he likes Bush Stadium. No, wait, was I looking at the wrong? One? I was no correction. Hold on, hold on. Wait, I was looking at the wrong stats. We're having two different conversations at the moment. <laughs> Shut up. 309 batting average, a 949 OPS, four home runs, seven runs driven in. I've liked what I've seen seen from him, and honestly, until he starts struggling or until he stops hitting, he's your everyday shortstop. No, I I hate to say it, but I would agree. Like, wait, I, say that one more time. I uh, I will not. You the How does it was that on taste the air. On your tongue. It tastes like vomit. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> no no disrespect. But <laughs> tastes like you, vomit, but no disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I said with all due respect. Uh, no, so I, I don't know. De Young definitely, I've not seen him look like this at the plate in a long time. He has changed his approach. He is, there's less wasted motion. He's more direct to the ball, and uh, he has a lot more hip torque, I've noticed, and he just looks more comfortable at the plate. I will say I think he can be exposed on pitches high and in because he dips his front shoulder a little bit on the swing. But as of right now, if he continues to hit, you got to keep him in the lineup. And I don't know. I just hope he doesn't play well enough to where we pick up his option next year because that, that would be a chunk of change. But – it's bittersweet, but nine, hey, nine million, I believe. It's either, between, either nine or twelve. It's somewhere in that range. Please, yeah. load. Give yeah. me, give me no. Mason Wynn. He has an OBP versus righties of four thirty nine. OBP of two eleven versus lefties. Interesting. That's one sixty seven versus lefties. Three seventy eight versus righties. So overall, we can say that I think we can say that so far the middle infield has done their job. Yes. The outfield, what? So we're giving one out of one there. Pitching's definitely a one out of two. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got. What what are we saying on outfield? One half, one point, a quarter, a quarter, one point two five out of three. That's fair. <laughs> so we have hit on one point two five out of three of our of our big goals on the season so far. Well, that's that's about accurate of as to how the Cardinals are doing on a whole. Yep, they, absolutely. As we speak, sixteen and twenty five. Things have been on the look up. As of late, they've been playing better. As of late, especially in the National League Central. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> They could win the delete with the division with 85 wins. Come on now. But they'd have to go 21 games over 500 the rest of the season to win 87 <laughs> games. They have to go 71 and 50 the remainder of the season. We're a quarter of the way in. But yeah, sir. round of 21 happened, so who knows. So, you know, talking about the atrocity that is the National <laughs> League Central. <laughs> Dylan or Brandon. Why don't you give us these last tents? Best division in They're baseball. Best speak on... On May 15th of 2023, We're about to the get, last what, what does uh, European soccer do? They get relegated? Down yeah. the <laughs> relegated. 
<laughs> National League Central's about to get relegated down to Triple A. <laughs> the Grapefruit League. So the Brewers in their last ten, they lead the division. They're five and five. Pirates right there at hey. second place, a game and a half out. Two and eight in their last ten. Cubs are nineteen and twenty-one overall as the season. Four and six in their last ten. Reds sit at a solid five hundred in their last ten. And the Redbirds, the only winning record in our last ten games in the National League Central. <laughs> so six and not, four. It's and we, not good. It's not good. We only sit seven overall, and a half games out. I want to say a couple of days ago it was even worse. A couple of days ago it was very bad. Yeah, the Cubs were sitting at two and eight. There was three teams sitting at two and eight in their last ten games in the National League Central. Holy <laughs> We're only seven and a half games out. <laughs> Cardinals going to win the division at 83. Just for perspective, three teams, no, four teams, four teams uh, in the National League East would be right up there at the first or second spot in the National League Central right now. Guys, Redbird talk has been a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel as depressed. Thank God for Nolan Gorman. (laughs) Listen to jazz slowly. Good transition. Let's talk some St. Louis City SC soccer. <laughs> That's how the pros do it, Ethan. <laughs> Speaking of jazz, let's talk some MLS, shall we? Like jazz. St. Louis City. Um, it's been it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. This team we saw win their first five in yes. franchise history, and oh. we were, you know. We're winning the cup, baby. It's not going to lose. You know, um, how have things been since then, Dylan? One, one, and five. Holy shoot. For a one win, five losses. And one draw. One draw. Win, draw, loss is how. All right. All right. Yeah, teach him the lingo, Dylan. Teach him I, the lingo. I got you covered. So we're six, one, and four overall. It's third in the Western Conference, but we were leading the Western Conference originally with that 5-0 and oh start. We are at the moment missing three key players due to injury. Joe Klaus, our striker that has been – on fire, goal scoring wise, are leading the the team, the team in goals. Yes, yeah. a center attacking mid Rasmus Ulm and center back Tim Parker. But if you look at this team over the last, what this, a good name, Tim Parker. <laughs> the last six games of this, seven games now of this skid, it's been just like it's just been. They are not scoring goals. Like this is an offensive driven team where the, when they're aggressive and they're pushing the tempo and foot on the gas, constantly attacking, that's when they're at their best, when they can have that back line pulled up defensively. But they just haven't had that recently. I mean, part of it's been Klaus not being able to be on the field. He's been hurt. And so I think once they get him back, that might turn around a little bit. But at the moment, they are not sticking to their game, and they're letting other teams control the tempo. Well, if, if you remember earlier in the season, Dylan, question for you. I mean, we talked about can this pace continue and last throughout the entire season? Long season. I yeah. mean, because they're, they're dogs on raw meat, those first five <laughs> games. I mean, they're hounding, <laughs> hounding. And and now you see now where they're, honestly, they're getting beat to, they're getting beat to some plays. And, and I don't know, my question to you is, is do you think the style of play changes or, or do you see this, do you see them sticking to their identity and, and growing, growing as a young team? I mean, who, who's, who am I to say, but I think they have to stick to their identity, I think you have to – they don't have the star power to shift, I would say. It's a very team, you know, chemistry. Herb, Herb, Herb Brooks, Miracle on Ice-driven team. Um, <laughs> but team chemistry over the individual talent. But realistically, realistic predictions, I would say they would still make the playoffs because half the field in each conference makes the playoffs. You know, seven out of 14 teams make it. So I could still see this team making the playoffs come October, but – Honestly, I think they're out in the first or second round. I mean, unless if they're hot. Whoa! 
<laughs> prediction. Okay, playoff no, prediction. Diving <laughs> deep into it. Why don't we? Okay. Hopping off the high dive. Yeah, Holy smokes. Head first. Yeah, while we're here, I'm, yep, they're going to win the cup. If they get hot, they win the cup. <laughs> Not to mention, though, that two of these losses have been against the Chicago Fire. Bad, um, bad team. And, yeah, next to last in the Eastern Conference. Uh, St. Louis City in the, their past five games against teams in the MLS, MLS specifically, that includes the Dallas game, which is still incomplete due to weather. <laughs> um, they've scored four goals. That's not very pretty. Yeah. Um, after scoring multiple goals in each of its first five games, um, they've only done that once in their last eight against I MLS. I see you read the St. Louis Post-Dispatch as well. I, I did read the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> so... Klaus now out for three games, but the, he's expected to be back this week. Is that correct, Dylan? Yeah, against Sporting KC this Saturday. They were hoping to have him back this past weekend, but he's expected to come back next weekend against Sporting KC, and we should probably win that game because they are last in the league. So that we, would be a we probably should have won at least one testament. against Chicago too, though. I mean, one of them wasn't an actual game; it was a, a tournament. Tell Miguel Perez like home to home. get his homework done and come Sporting on out game. to City Park and beat Sporting Exhibition. KC. Hey, another cool little uh, tidbit for you. Caden Glover, the first homegrown talent here from uh, the city, 16-year-old kid from Columbia, Illinois, made his MLS debut That's against Chicago. Louis. Stop that it. Anybody from the Metro East. Stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. 16 years old, playing in the MLS. It's a big story in the MLS, not just St. Louis City. It's going to be really cool to, cool to watch. It's like soccer is, I think soccer is and two hockey teenagers are different. in the lineup then? Not, they're not consistently starting. No. Perez hasn't been consistently starting, right? So, correct. correct. Okay. But soccer is different than most other sports in that regard. Where you can have a 16-year-old on the field with grown men. You got to so love fast. it. Yeah. So fast. It's and crazy. It's, obviously, it's not a physical sport. And Indigo is going to make some people mad with that one. Holy hot take. Well, thanks for listening to Lou Sports Talk, folks. Cle- have a good night. Clearly, you've never watched South American back, soccer. Back to back on transitions. Yeah, oh, well. <laughs> Guys, we got a lot of covered. A lot of covered. A, lot, of a covered. lot covered in this podcast. We did. We talked about the areas that the Cardinals have held their own, the areas yep. where they have been absolutely terrible. <laughs> yep. We've talked about how bad the NL Central has been, and that is really our biggest hope right now. Yeah. We have talked about. <laughs> wait, wait. How 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 good do the Cardinals have to be the rest of the year? They have to go to seventy one and fifty <laughs> to have eighty seven wins. <laughs> We got to go 21 over to finish 87 and 75. Oh for reference, God. last year we were 92 wins. It. It's this team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goldie back to back MVPs. Montgomery, oh, Cy man. Young. We'll definitely, in upcoming episodes, be talking about, you know, as things continue on. We're in May now, but it won't be long before the speculation for the trade deadline is here. So that'll definitely be something to discuss in upcoming episodes. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Brandon, yes, where sir. can people find us? On I don't social know. Media. <laughs> I don't have you social tell me. media. Go ahead, Dylan. You oh, tell I thought you'd be sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know where we're on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Sunglasses just got launched Every, across the room. Everybody tune into our Vine channel. <laughs> Add us on MySpace. <laughs> At the, find us on KMOX. KCLCHD two. Hold on, the T is ready. K 
catch us on ESPN three. You threw it to me. I did, it wasn't running through my head, so all I said was, "I don't." Know. Watch us on ESPN eight, the Ocho. <laughs> Stop! Every time he says something, from T Find us on YouTube <laughs> Sports. It. Shut up! It's lethal having the two of us go in the board. studio. Okay, okay, go, 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 go. Hambo, you go. Shut up. Do you know where? Do you, okay, hold At, on. Wait, no. Do you yeah, know yeah. where? Okay. <laughs> Wasn't doing that again, Dylan. Where can people find us specifically on social media? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Loose Sports Talk underscore. Also, listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Possibly a Facebook account coming soon as well. Dylan, yeah, where tuned. can people find you Monday through Friday, eight to five? Uh, the swamps hunting gators. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the bayou. Got to put dinner thanks, on the table. Thanks for listening to this one. That's yo, a wrap. Yo.